here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Jeff Joyner. You might know me as Coaster Dad or Logan's Dad from Coaster Kids. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is Jeff Tucker from Knott's Berry Farm, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Arthur Levine from About Theme Parks, and you're listening to Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Adam Sandy with Zamperla, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Jake Toko with Rocky Mountain Construction, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please, secure your hats and glasses, and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the coaster challenge with your hosts, Kim Dykes. Hi, this is Kim, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast, and I'm happy to talk with an exciting new guest today. I'm thrilled to welcome Sean O'Leary, an enthusiast and founder of the YouTube channel, Officer O'Leary. Thank you for joining me and welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thanks, Cam. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited to get to talk more with you. We first became associated when we ran into each other and started talking at Six Flags Great Adventure last July. I later found you on social media and realized that the world was a lot smaller than I thought because we had a number of mutual friends. While I know a few things about you, would you please share some more things about yourself relating to parks, coasters, life in general? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I'm around uh, 325 coaster credits altogether, so I'm pretty well traveled. Um, I've been going on vacations pretty much every summer now for the last few years going around country the furthest i've made it out was uh, california i made it out to magic mountain and uh, six flags oh, i'm sorry and um knott's berry farm and uh disneyland it was so much fun but um yeah <clears throat> i travel around a lot to different parks i have season passes down in florida to major chains down there i go to bush gardens tampa fairly often my uh, mm-hmm. my number one coaster is um I'm pretty sure you can guess it <laughs> iron glossy mine too it's a go. Oh, man. It's absolutely incredible. That ride blows me away. Every time I go down, I forget how good it is. And then I ride it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I really enjoy just going around and riding coasters a lot and traveling to different parks. I actually had the day off work today, and that was one of the things I've been doing is trying to get two of my summer trips planned. And I'm low-key jealous that you've already been out to California. That's one I've got <laughs> on my radar I haven't made it yet, and um, that one's probably, honestly, looking at what I'm thinking about doing next year, hopefully going to be the year after next, looking at 2025, and that's going to be such a big trip. It may wind up being my only trip of the year. We'll see. 
But it, it's going to be <laughs> awesome when we finally get to go. Yeah, if you drive out there, it might be your only trip. <laughs> yeah, for, for real. It's just going to really be expen- expensive. <laughs> yeah, just buy thing. all your stuff in advance. That's what I always tell people. When, yeah, when always. When you got a really big road trip coming up, just try and buy as much as you can before you hit the road or you get on that plane because then you end up saving a lot of money that way. (laughs) The way to do it. So the first part of our interview is going to be what we refer to on the podcast here as the fear journey. I call it the roller coaster and amusement park time traveler. We kind of go back in time through your history as it relates to riding coasters and amusement parks. And then the second half of the interview, we kind of exit the time capsule and we're going to talk more about you now and, you know, just things that you're looking forward to in the future as well. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and enter the time capsule and get started. I love time traveler. So let's go. (laughs) Me too. It's one of my favorite (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) Um, And I'm actually going back to Silver Dollar City this year so I can finally get some night rides. Oh, night rides are awesome. Outlaw Run, Outlaw Run, that's that's the better of the two for night rides, to be honest with you. Time Traveler, it has a couple lights around it, but Outlaw Run is just out there. Oh, awesome. (laughs) That gets me even more excited for that. Okay, so... Thinking all the way back to when you started riding coasters, what's the very, very first coaster you remember riding? Okay, I think um, I remember the first coaster riding was a small powered Zamperla coaster called the Tornado. It was at this uh, small boardwalk park called Jenkinson's down here in New Jersey, about 15 miles or so from where I live. And my dad used to take me down there. You know, and when we would check out the amusement rides and the pier and, and the park and all that, and then we, um, you, I would ride the tornado coaster there. It's just a small little figure eight layout power coaster. It didn't really do much, but that was my first ever credit. Those boardwalk parks—that's another part of the East Coast I've not gotten to tap into yet. I'm hitting the Northeast part of it this year, and when I return to the area I was in before near Six Flags, Great Adventure, Hershey Park and all that, I'm hoping to get to some of those boardwalk parks next time. So looking back on all the coasters you've written, I'm sure you've heard people plenty of times and you yourself may have said, you know, how scary is it? All coasters used to scare me to death for a long time, so much so that I would keep my eyes shut the whole ride. It took me <laughs> a long time to figure out that that's really not the way to roll. <laughs> but um, you can. I mean, nobody's going to judge you if you have your eyes closed. I guess no, you're not paying attention. It sounds much more enjoyable once I finally started opening my eyes. But you know, and, and I still had these conversations and lines about how scary is it. Looking back on all the coasters you've ridden. What would you say was the scariest one ever? <laughs> scariest one ever? Yep. Um, let's see. I I guess I had, I just had to say King to Ka. As a young kid growing up at Great Adventure, uh, I would look up at that coaster and just be like, no, you know, I'm never going to go on that. It's just too much. It's like uh, all these other people are, you know, getting in line and stuff around me. But I was just a little kid, so... 
I, I couldn't handle it. It was before I started riding bigger rides like that. I think I was even scared of like Nitro, uh, which is the second tallest coaster at Great Adventure. Mm -hmm. And uh, even uh, stuff like Bizarro was scary to me because, you know, all those rides, they're, they're big for a little kid like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, came to con. I just saw that for the first time last summer. And that's big to me as an adult. I mean, you know, even <laughs> looking at it as a child, it's ginormous. How old were you when you first wrote it? Uh, it King the Ka, yeah, it was probably about 12 or 13. Okay. So yeah. did you write it the first time you saw it, or did it take you some time to build up your nerve to write it? I actually, I don't remember it being there the first couple or three times I went to Great Adventure when I was a young kid, because I started going when I was like six, you know, six or seven. Mm -hmm. so as, a, as a kid that young, I wasn't even focused at all on like, and, and also I don't think, uh, well, King to Kai was built in 2005. So I, at a certain point, maybe they just, it just wasn't there. And I, I didn't realize, really? <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, uh, that ride is, is very intimidating. And just being that young is crazy. Sorry. <laughs> the first strata I rode was Top Thrill Dragster. And I get what you're saying from looking at it. That that was the one that, it was weird. I was I was afraid looking at it. But then once I was actually in the line to ride it, I don't know what happened. All the nervousness went away. Then it all came back when I was sitting in the seat, actually getting ready to launch. <laughs> it came back a lot stronger than it was when I was just standing there looking at the ride. Wow. So <laughs> going back to that first ride on King to Call, mm -hmm. do you remember how you were feeling when you approached the station? Yeah, I was very anxious. And even now, I can still get that type of anxiety kind of going in line for the for King to Call just because I can remember where I was, you know, as a kid first riding it and they still play the same music and stuff in the queue. And it still has that mm -hmm. same atmosphere that I did back when I first wrote it. So it really still has that uh, feeling and, and, and atmosphere that brings back those uh, anxiety, anxious feelings, I guess. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But I could get over that, you know, because obviously I've been on it countless times now. So I, I just yep. get those like, you know, little butterflies in my stomach. Like yes. oh, I'm, I'm more excited you know, more exciting, of course, than being actually nervous. <laughs> I remember the ride. There were specific rides. I mean, I used to be afraid of everything, but then there were specific rides that really sent the anxiety over the top for me. <laughs> the first one was when I rode my first 200-foot coaster, Diamondback, Kings Island. Then, I think after that, was when I wrote Banshee for the first time, you know, trying to work on the inversions and stuff. Mm. Vortex, too, back in the day when I wrote that the first time. And Fury 325, Top Thrill Dragster. After I got past all of those, I don't really get nervous about coasters much anymore, but I, I remember all the feels. Sweaty palms, cotton mouth, like I, I felt like I could just drink water forever because <laughs> I couldn't hardly breathe, couldn't breathe right. And goodness, the tension in my throat and my stomach, you know, before I went down the drop, we were talking about oh, those. Yeah. 
The only coaster now that really makes me nervous thinking about it, I haven't ridden it yet, is X2. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. That's a pretty intense coaster. I got pretty nervous before I rode that, too. <laughs> I was just talking with another guest last night, and he's ridden it. And um, that's one I'm... I don't know if the word excited is the word I would use. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it, of course, once I finally get out to California. I'm not one that ever backs away from a coast. Oh, yeah, no, do it. Yeah, definitely but do I'm, it. I'm going to start out on the, in the, towards the front on the inside. I'm yeah, see how that goes. That's and a true I'll, thing. If you, ride on, if you ride on the outer seat, um, it tends to shake more, and it's a little bit more violent than mm -hmm. if you're sitting on the seat closest to the track. You sit in those yeah. seats, and then towards the front of the train is also a little bit less back. You ride it toward the back, and it's kind of like another ride in itself. You're kind of like bouncing around, like flipping yeah. it. It's really crazy in the back. My guest, last, <laughs> my guest last night, he rode his first ride on X2 in the back row on the outside, and Oh, <laughs> it did not uh, go well. But I mean, he liked it enough, though, to where he he wanted to do it again. So I mean, he wrote. Yeah, it as a coaster, if you're a true coaster enthusiast, that that really is one of a kind uh, experience. You, you have to do it, and you have to do it more than once. Oh I, yeah, I, I wasn't able to do it more than once. Actually, the second time I went to go ride it, the operations were so slow that um, it took us about. Two, uh, two hours or so to get up the one side with the ramp going into the oh, station. Uh, and it wasn't even like past the ramp part, like down into the lower <laughs> section. It was just the top part of the ramp. And we were like, oh, no problem. You know, this couldn't be more than a half hour. And we started waiting. And it actually went down right when we were about to get grouped in the station. So we didn't even get to ride it a second oh, time. We wow. only got one ride on X2. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the operations um, were really bad. <laughs> I'm one to, you know, even if I ride a coaster the first time and I don't really like it, I'll ride it a few more times to see if I can figure out how to like it. You know, I like oh, to yeah. give coasters a chance to warm up. And, you know, after a few rounds, if I'm, if I'm still not feeling it, then I'm like, maybe another time I'm, I'm done for now. You know, the only one in recent memory that I can really think did that to me is the infamous controversial sky rush. I've oh. not figured out. I've not, and I've got another trick I want to try when I go back. I did seven rods on that last trip. Yeah, and you can it just—it was just mutilating my thighs. I tried everything um, to keep the restraint up. We call everything. it. We call it the. Um, we call it the balls over the hump. If you're a man, um, I mean, you could call it whatever you want. That'll be edited, I'm sure. But uh, you just kind of sit, you know, as far forward onto the little hump in the middle of the seat as you possibly yeah. can, to, to the point to the point where the 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 restraint actually just comes down like on your stomach. Oh, <laughs> and that's something I've heard. Yeah, okay. the rest of your legs kind of just cut the restraint in the middle, and you have a seatbelt, you know, so there's no risk of any problems there. But yeah, if you do it that way, you give yourself a ton of room. And then as you're going down the drop, you kind of push, like you see in my webcam, you push back against yeah. your, like that. And if you're lucky, um, the restraint won't come down too far. And you can actually get a good ride with a lot of room on it. Um, I, I've had some incredible rides because with the forces that ride has, and mm -hmm. you can get uh, a good restraint situation. Because if you ride it normally, you just get stapled no matter what. And there's yeah. no way to really enjoy it. 
I wasn't riding normal. I tried lots of different things. <laughs> Nothing worked. You got you to like really. I've, uh, the other thing I'm going to try next time too is a friend of mine told me to put my foot, you know, like use your foot on the platform to raise yeah, your leg. Yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah they, might notice, they, might that, they might notice that and say something, but the uh, the method I always use, they never seem to care. They just send it out like me. Okay. <laughs> and it's well, I'm gonna, I'll like add that one to my list of mental notes as well sky rush is a really good ride if you can get over those restraints oh i could tell that it had potential i just couldn't figure it out and um <laughs> you'll, you know, you'll get a, it next time it's another <laughs> conversation too now you wouldn't be one of those people but a lot of the people i have talked to that have you know more weight in their legs don't seem to have as much problem mm -hmm. that's a fine thing because because the restraints, if you sit naturally, they they rest right on your thighs. That's mm -hmm. why they call it thigh crush. You know, yes. if, you could get it, if you could get it to rest somewhere on your stomach or somewhere lower down a little bit, even on your like, uh, you know, your hips, like somewhere down in there, you'll be better off. Your thighs is where it hurts so bad. It's just too tight. They just they really come down. I'm going to get this one. Give that a try next time too. Thank you. So going back to that first ride on King to Call. Mm -hmm. You were nervous, you were scared, had all the butterflies in the stomach going into the station. How did you feel when you got off that coaster? I was over the moon. I was like so freaking excited. I couldn't believe that like I had come over that beard and actually did it. And I, I wanted to do it again right away. I was like, let's go again. And I'm pretty sure nice. we did. And we went maybe like two or three times even. And I remember being really excited and just happy that we were able to do it. And I think after a few rides, it was just a bit much for my uh, my little body to handle. So we got off. Mm -hmm. I think we went and rode something smaller. <laughs> That's awesome. I can think back, you know, to some of the major coasters I've ridden. And I've had different responses over the years. Like, you know, Top Bill Dragster, I got off that and I immediately wanted to go back and ride again. But yeah. Voyage, it's interesting. Voyage, which is like my number two coaster out of the 365 I've ridden so far, it took a few years for me to develop a love of that ride. Oh, wow. I used to be really out of shape, overweight. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I see that skirt. <laughs> That's an awesome skirt. Um, but I, used to be really, I used to be really out of shape, overweight, and I think that may have had something to do with it. The ride just beat me up. Yeah. I yeah, would be able that to, beats everyone up a little bit, you know. <laughs> I'd be able to ride a couple times and I was done. And like last year, I never in my wildest dreams dreamt I would be able to do this and actually enjoy it. I did 35 trembless rides in an evening. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> On that thing. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, great. I mean, I just literally have gotten to the point now where I can ride it all day. But it's one of those things, too. I've had to learn. I've had to learn how to ride it, change things up a little bit, you know, so the lap bar doesn't come down, staple my thighs, and that sort of thing. And, um, geez, it's it's interesting. Some of my favorite coasters now weren't always. No, man, I love I love coasters that Voyage, I like. Voyage takes so much out of you, uh, you know. Even with the trims turned on, it's oh just yeah. Such a long it's just such a, a long experience with so much airtime and 
and it's so intense and you come back into the break route and the whole train just gasps for air all at once it's yeah. just like oh my god it's <laughs> i always rest i go into hibernation a couple of days before hollywood nights each year i literally become a vegetable oh, do nothing and i plan on doing that when i get home and then it, then i can do it <laughs> It's, it's just such an experience. That's why that's why so many coaster enthusiasts go so far out of their way to get to Hollywood Nights each year, and it's just it's just so worth it, you know. And uh, that's why when you can't get him like myself, it just gets it's, it hits hard. It's uh, it sucks. And now I have to go and visit Holiday World on the night that's not with uh, Trimless Rides. <laughs> it'll still be an awesome ride. They did yeah, well, well, that, this year you know, at the new Gravity Group track. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even bothered. That I'll that I'll have the trims on because it's still such an amazing experience, like start yeah. to finish. That I'm not not even that bummed. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. So after that very first ride on your scariest coaster ever, King to Call, Ooh. would you say at that point in time that it had any type of an impact on your life, or did you see impacts of that ride surface later on? Uh, I can definitely say that I could ride anything in the world after I got off of King Dakar because it is the world's tallest roller coaster. And at the time, it was the world's fastest, too. So, you know, and I had that in my head and I was like, oh, I can handle this. I can do anything. You know, I can go and ride all of the coasters at Great Adventure. So after I rode King Dakar, I went across the park and it was around the 2007-ish time, uh, 2006, 2007, I think. And uh, I was overriding Batman the Ride, you know, because I was just so over the moon about my ride on King to Ka. I was like, oh, I could go ride everything. And I was riding Batman and I got off and I looked across the midway over at Batman and Robin the Chiller and they were dismantling the track right as I was getting ready to go and ride it for my first time. So don't have that credit. But I was like, yeah, I was overly uh, anxious to ride everything after I got off King to Ka. I was like, oh, I could do, I could do every ride here now. <laughs> well, and you know, for me, that effect of coasters has inadvertently surfaced in other areas of my life that I can do anything mentality. Yeah. It's how I finally figured out the battle in my mind and won with losing weight and getting healthy. I mean, just lots of different things, becoming confident and assertive, which is definitely not the type of person I've always been, you know, Learning how to tell people no when I need to be able to tell people no because I need time to take care of myself or, you know, there's other things that I have to do. I used to be a big people pleaser and it just, it didn't matter, you know, what it did to me as long as I was keeping everybody else happy. And it's just been so rewarding across the board, you know, that I can do anything mentality, just like you said. It started, it started with coasters, and then over the years, it's just kind of had a domino effect, and it's all been very positive and very rewarding all the way around. That's great. So I know we were talking about Hollywood Nights, and that's definitely one of those crazy experiences that if you've experienced it, you've experienced it. If you haven't, you need to. <laughs> Looking back on all of your trips, amusement parks you've been to, 
enthusiasts, friends you hang around, coasters you've ridden. Out of all of your experiences, if you had to choose one absolutely bizarre moment, what has been your craziest moment ever as an enthusiast? <laughs> um, I want to say probably going probably going to Hollywood nights. I think that was probably one of the most uh, pivotal experiences uh, that I've ever had as an enthusiast is just going and experiencing all of those people there for one reason. <laughs> and, and just everybody there just having such a blast, everybody just having such a good time and such, such an atmosphere at that specific coaster enthusiast event. I think that, a lot of other events just don't have that type of atmosphere. And I, I really just thought that was just life-changing for me. And just riding Voyage 2 at night with those trims off, that's that's a life-changing experience in, in and of itself, you know. Aside from all of your friends being there and, and having such a great time and, and the, just everything about that event seems to be just so perfect if you can get a ticket. Yes. That's the big if. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of the if you can get a ticket, I've already talked with my son. Next year, he's going to be a senior in high school. And I looked at their graduation dates this year. And it all depends on, you know, the school calendar, whether or not you get snow days and that sort of thing. This uh -huh. year, there were a few days that wound up getting added to our calendar. And his his high school graduation this year, now he's just a junior this year, falls right during Hollywood Nights. Oh, my God. What? So, um, uh -oh. <laughs> we had a uh, conversation, and he, I said, and I told him, you know, I'm not one that's going to force my kid to do anything one way or the other for me. I don't force my kids to live out my dreams. This is a big moment in his life, you know, so do what oh, you yeah. want to do i said but if you've got to choose i said if you have to choose you need to be thinking about do you want to go to the event or do you want to go to graduation <laughs> so, I'm gonna i think i'd probably go to the event i, I, think I told I him i said you're not going to get judgment from me either way <laughs> but i don't want to oh, buy tickets so and then you turn around and go oh i'm going to graduation because then i'm not going to be happy because <laughs> i spent that money <laughs> And you I mean, know, uh, if he can't go, if he can't go, I'm around. I I can right. I can be Jay. I could be Jay for a couple nights. What can I <laughs> make it happen? And you know, talking about Hollywood nights and that crazy atmosphere, I can honestly say that whole atmosphere, being around all of those people and the energy, has been one of the instrumental things. And bringing me out of my shell. Looking back on that. I used to be painfully introverted. Around adults. I mean I'm a school teacher. I could talk in front of kids. But adults are another story. I was made fun of and picked on. You know a lot all the way through school. That mm -hmm. stuck with me. You know in ways that I didn't realize that it would. And I just struggled. Didn't feel like I fit it anywhere. Just always afraid I was going to say the wrong thing. And um, somebody the other day 
it was hilarious. And I actually laughed out loud when they said it. They were questioning me about the, quote, unconventional way that I chose to spend Mother's Day at King's Island. (laughs) (laughs) I ended my day with, I, I met a friend there from Pennsylvania, but his family had to leave a little early. So I'm like, okay, before I have to leave, I'm going to go catch a few more laps on my favorite coaster in the park, which is Orion. And I ended the day. It was epic. I was in my favorite seat on the coaster. I call it the magic seat. Back row left. And I had the whole road myself. Oh. (laughs) This never happens. And somebody, (laughs) you know, that's quite an unconventional way to spend Mother's Day, isn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) I said, that's just the way I Susie's role. And I said, you know, basically, if you get it, you get it. If you don't get it, I, I really can't explain <laughs> it to you. But I could uh, spend every day riding coasters. That'd be great. <laughs> that's the thing that's really awesome about Hollywood Nights, that that whole environment taught me it's okay to be unconventional. You can be. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you're absolutely happy as self, and it's all good. Everybody there has their own set of problems, and everybody there, uh, they they all have their own coaster challenge. So that's like mm-hmm. the whole reason the podcast exists. Yeah, and I, I love it. So all those unconventional, all those unconventional enthusiasts at Hollywood Nights, yeah, they all have their own set of challenges. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's it. Once I once I w- became involved, you know, in in a community like that. With more people that are just like me, happy being their own weird little selves, it opened a lot of doors for me. And I'm never closing them. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So you've already told us your favorite coaster is the goat coaster, Iron (laughs) Wazzy. You will get zero argument from me on that topic. (laughs) But I'll, I'll stifle myself here for a minute because I could talk about that coaster literally morning and night. Yeah. What is too. it? <laughs> yeah. What is it specifically that you love about Iron Gwazi that puts it above all the other coasters for you? <laughs> oh, that's so simple. It's just so intense. It's got that incredibly intense factor that no other coaster I've ever been on comes close to. It just seems to get better and better and better as the ride goes on it. My number two, which is Velocicoaster, does the same thing. It gets It gets better and better as the ride goes on. You know, the first half is, you know, good and gets better. The second half is amazing. But then Iron Gwazi is just amazing the whole ride. You know, you, you come off of that lift. You have the 90-degree, 200-foot first drop. Absolutely incredible. The whole entire ride just gets better and better. You know, that wave turn over the station, the... Uh, the whole entire roof of the station there right next to the wave turn is littered with hats and sunglasses and phones and stuff because people don't expect that, that moment, you know, because nobody's ever seen that before. No other coaster does that the way Iron Gwazi does, you know, you're going left and then you're going left. And then all of a sudden it just throws you 90 degrees, a mm-hmm. hundred, you know, the whole other direction. It's absolutely the best ride in the world. <laughs> I'll share with you what just took it from God tier from last year's rides for me to complete out of this world euphoric after my last trip in March. 
I didn't get night rides last year because it got stormed out the night that the park was opened up late enough for us to get night rides. So I had to wait a whole year to get night rides. And it was already my number one, you know, just from the daytime rides. (laughs) When I, and much like what you're talking about, you know, the daytime rides, the relentlessness, the nonstop shifting of elements. There's no straight track. There's no mid course. There's nothing. There's no repetitiveness of any kind. But when I rode it at night. Holy Mary, mother of God. (laughs) The thing that really jumped out as an experience I've never had, even close on any coaster, the death roll. Oh, yeah. When you get into the death roll, you can see that you're going into it. Mm -hmm. But then it is pitch black you're (laughs) going every which way and i've never in my entire life had a gray out that i cannot see (laughs) i had gray out i could not see the gray out but it was happening you've been on i-305 yes (laughs) and i get i get gray outs on there but I, I don't know. I've never had that experience. And it might have been, you know, just a constant shifting of directions to where I really noticed it. But when I grayed out in the dark, I literally felt like my soul was drifting out of my body. Like I was going to heaven. And then when you come out of that death row, whoosh, I come back to life like every single time. And it was just the word I used was euphoria. Oh, yeah, the whole ride. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> and, yes, I've been on I-305 at night. Mm. And I know I gray, I gray out every single time on I-305. But I get it just didn't hit that hard for me. Maybe because, you know, it wasn't constantly changing direction and that sort of thing like Iron Gwazi does. But that mm. just hit different. The, the last airtime hill on Iron Gauzy is way too small. And it's just like you you just fly into it going like 50 miles an hour or something like that. Like you have to be going that fast, right? And, and you just, it's yeah. Like, it's like, who does, like, why? Like, it's, it's amazing. Absolutely. 10, 20 out of 10. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I said if it was possible to, to move up from number one to number zero, that's what happened. I was so mad, actually. I went down to Florida a couple of weeks ago, and I, I was going to take the Bush Gardens shuttle that they run from uh, SeaWorld. You know, they run a free shuttle from uh, from SeaWorld to, over to Bush Gardens every morning at 9 a.m., and I'm in the parking lot, running across the parking lot. It's 8.58, and the bus goes, and it, like, passes by the stop, and it, like, doesn't even come to a full stop, and then leaves at 8.59 without me, and I'm like, no. Oh, so you would have been chasing that bus and yelling. I was, I was, I was chasing it. I was running so fast. I spilled coffee all over one of my buckets. Oh no! <laughs> it was a bad. It was a bad moment in my uh, career. I was in my most recent uh, coaster career. Just trying That's to go. All right, to you were doing it for the cause. I was trying to ride Guathi. Yeah, I don't blame you. I've done the same thing. So let's flip flop now. We've talked about 
the best coaster by far that we've both experienced. Now let's talk about the exact opposite. <laughs> Out of all the coasters you've ridden, what was one that was so bad that you would say it's the absolute worst thing you've ever experienced and you'd never want to do it again? <laughs> um, yeah, probably Zamperla Valers. <laughs> Uh, I've done one. I, I mean, I'm gonna go and ride more of them naturally because they just happen to be permanent rides at some parks. But yeah, you know, those things are really bad. It's just like being in a George Foreman grill. Like <laughs> the whole back of the car comes down onto your back, and then it puts you into the flying. It's a very, very, very strange and very uncomfortable ride because you just get kind of thrown around inside in this like sandwich press. It's the it's literally like a panini press the ride it's so bad what are they some of the at, ones you've written um i've actually only ever been on one they have one and uh actually it's kind of funny it, the park is owned and operated by zamperla themselves they run coney island in brooklyn new york uh, okay. home of the famous coney island okay. cyclone which which is by far one of my favorite wooden coasters by the way excellent ride they take very good care of it but <laughs> the Volair is there for some reason just to fill space, I guess, because it's a compact ride and they're in Brooklyn, so they don't have a ton of room to work with. And they bought it from an, another park that didn't want it. And then, yeah, Zamperla bought back their own ride to put inside their park to showcase, it, I guess, how bad it is. I, yeah, it's, it's one of the worst. <laughs> it's one of the worst experiences I've ever had on any ride, regardless of a roller coaster or whatever. But yeah, that's the worst roller coaster ever and i don't even think that was my answer when we first tried to record this uh i think my original wow. answer was like i think my original answer was like wildcat at lake compounds mm -hmm. which is another really bad ride that they're trying to fix so yeah give them credit for that i guess awesome <laughs> you know thinking about these weird little coasters that there's not many of i'm thinking of one what you just shared brought back a distant memory that I tried to erase <laughs> whatever <laughs> happened. The uh, toboggan coaster. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling there. you were going to say that. And I, ha yeah, I haven't been on one. The toboggan coaster up there in Wisconsin. Yeah, but uh -huh. over in uh, oh. America. Yeah. Yes, Little America. Uh -huh. That thing... And I mean, I tried to do what they said do to oh, yeah. avoid this from happening. That bar at the top of the car, no matter what I did, it cracked me right in the forehead. It left. Hey, you put your hand on it, like yeah, I did every. I did it all. It left a goose egg. I literally saw <laughs> stars and thought I was gonna pass out. That thing hit me so hard. Oh, I can't wait. That's on my list for the summer. I'm oh, going to try to go tall. up there. You're pretty tall, too, aren't you? I'm 6'2". Yeah. Oh, I'm you're going to you're gonna have a real interesting time with that. Really I'm only 5'3". Throw myself in there. I'll <laughs> tell you. Oh, I came out of there, and they're I'm like, how? 
I'm not leaving there without that credit because that credit's really unique because there used there used to be a bunch of those, you know, and then that was that's like one of the last remaining. Well, ones I'll tell you what, there's a reason there's not any more right now. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. I came off that coaster and they're like, my son was like, "How was it, mom?" I'm, Don't talk to me. But it's a but it's, it's so like, cool. Well, mom, I said, "Leave me alone. I'll talk in a minute." It's a traveling it's a traveling showman's dream of a roller coaster. It's it's tall, it looks cool, and it fits on one trailer. There you go. I guess that's what <laughs> makes it great to some. For me, two words, never again, and that's all. Oh, no. <laughs> great. So, I know you mentioned earlier, you love to travel. And that's one of the things as Thuzies, you know, once you get started doing it, you want to do more. It's become part of my mental health and wellness when I'm off during the summers from school, honestly. You know, so when I go back in the fall, I'm mentally refreshed. I feel like, you know, I'm ready to start a new school year. I mean, I'm going to be in my 25th year of teaching next year. And you got you wow. to you keep your mind fresh, you know. So it's like I said, don't teach like a dinosaur. If you're, if you're doing that, you need to go do something else. You know, you, you got to be, yeah. you got to be your best self so you can be what the kids need, need you to be. And, you know, traveling does do that for me. Out of all the parks you have visited so far, what are the favorite parks you've been to? And on the flip side, what are some parks that you have on your bucket list that you're looking forward to visiting in the future? Oh, okay. Uh, my favorite park, it's not really even a roller coaster park. It has some really good roller coaster history in it, though. It's Disneyland out in California. That's like my favorite park overall as an experience. It's just an amazing package. They have so much to do in one small little space. And it's so, it's so well done. You walk in and everything is just meticulously placed and well thought of. If you've ever been to Magic Kingdom down in Florida, it's Similar to that, you know, with the building architecture and everything looks similar. But when you go to Disneyland in California, you, you really catch that magical uh, essence that Walt originally created. And they haven't really changed that much. You know, it's, it's such it's so similar to the way it was originally that you can walk in there and feel like you're visiting at the same period Walt was there back in the 1950s. It's okay. really cool. So it's just kind of like a walk back through time for you. Oh yeah, and, and also it's just really well done. It it takes inspiration from various European parks, and one of them was Tivoli Gardens. And so at night, there's uh, so many lights, and, and it's just such a magical experience. And I, I'm I'm a coaster enthusiast first, but I'm a Disney enthusiast second. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. Interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love love Disney. Yeah, <laughs> I will actually be experiencing magic kingdom i guess more in depth for the first time next year is when i'm planning on making that trip i've been once before but it was on a high school band trip when i was a freshman in high school we were performing at disney world everything was in such a rush uh yeah i've got a few pictures in an album but i don't really remember much i don't remember what we did <laughs> i don't know what i wrote i don't know what i did 
So I'm going to go back next year and do it right. <laughs> you know, and oh, actually be able, be able to remember what I did. <laughs> and I'm, yeah. I'm not going to put money into other parks and stuff. I think I should still have my Bush Seas Pass, so I may make it back to those parks when I'm down there. But oh, yeah. Disney's when you're visiting, focus on that trip. When when you're visiting a, a a theme park that is is mainly about the dark rides and the overall experience, not just coasters. Yeah. When you're at a park like that, when when you're there at a park like that, you need to prioritize the experiences sometimes over uh, some yeah. of the roller coasters and stuff. You know, because you go to you go to Magic Kingdom and yeah, there's there's lots of credit, not really lots, but there's like five or six different credits mm -hmm. you can get there. Uh, even a plus one on Space Mountain if you have Lightning Lane, but uh, you can uh, there's the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train that's there, and it runs like four trains. It's got lower capacity than any of the other rides in the park, and it's a roller coaster. And so, as a coaster enthusiast, you want to go and ride it, but then it's got an 80 minute wait, and there's other better rides there to experience that don't have 80 minute waits that aren't roller coasters. That yeah, it's not a plus one, but it's more of a better experience for you to, to go and do. And so that's kind of the way you have to approach those type of parks is you can't always put the coasters first. You have to oh, absolutely uh, prioritize the whole as an experience. So, you know, go and check out a dark ride or something yes. instead of waiting 80 minutes in a standby line for seven well, doors. And that's why I'm going with when I go <laughs> the executive. <laughs> well, when I go the executive producer on the podcast, Andrew, he lives in Orlando. He has, oh, he has extensive experience with Disney. So I'm going to go when he can go with us and make sure we do it right. Yeah. If you could get there at like 8 30 AM or with mm -hmm. early entry, the oh, yep. parks have always open parks that open he, at 9 AM. So if you could get there right when they open, go and do always screen, go and do seven doors, mind train first thing. And then go do barnstormer right after that. Cause that's the kids coaster. And then the rest of the coasters, probably Space Mountain third, but the rest of the coasters there have higher capacity, so you won't have as big of a uh, time getting onto them. But uh, also Lightning Lane is really a uh, useful tool. But anyway, enough about Disney, because that's not why we're here. Oh, yeah, we're good. I appreciate the conversation, though. Thank you. <laughs> so next, I want to change topics a little bit. I want to talk about you as an enthusiast specifically. We all have a story behind what made us an enthusiast. You know, some people were born into enthusiast families. Me, I didn't become an enthusiast until 2019, much later in life than a lot of people. For you, how did you become an enthusiast? And specifically... What coaster made you an enthusiast if it was a coaster that did that for you? Okay. Um, growing up, of course, going to Great Adventure, I live only about 20 minutes away, 15 if I speed. But uh, growing up so close, I'd go there very often and, and ride all the coasters they had. You know, after I'd ridden King Daka and gotten used to, you know, all of the different rides that they had there. Um, hang on, actually, I'm sorry. Could you? Start the question over again. My uh, brain lost track of what I was talking oh, about. Oh, you're sure that happens to me sometimes too. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like that. 
<laughs> All right, so I'll just redo the intro again to that. Yeah. So, you know, as enthusiasts, we all have a story as to what made us an enthusiast, you know, what brought us into the enthusiast community. For me, you know, I'm 47 years old. I did not become an enthusiast until four years ago, you know, much later in life than a lot of people. And it was actually Diamondback at Kings Island that made me an enthusiast. And I've got a whole story behind that. I'd like to hear your story. How did you become an enthusiast? And was it a roller coaster that made you an enthusiast? If so, what coaster was it? Okay. Yeah, so uh, growing up only about 20 minutes away from Great Adventure, I would go there a lot as a kid and ride all the coasters they had to offer. Of course, only after I rode the biggest one they had, you know, rode all the coasters there. And I wasn't necessarily an enthusiast back then because uh, I guess it, I just didn't get that, that rush that I did later on down the line. So fast forward a few years, I actually ended up working at Great Adventure in high school. Uh, my senior year in high school, right after I graduated, I had a summer job there as a ride operator and I I didn't operate any of the major roller coasters but becoming a ride operator kind of opened that door for me to experience the amusement industry and sort of see what it was like and and by doing that I met a few people that worked at the park and uh, we ended up hanging out and we would ride El Toro a little bit here and there and of course at the time I was just graduating high school so when school started back up for my friends back there I, I wasn't going to school and I, I didn't really like college much so I spent a lot of time at Great Adventure that year and, and then the next summer I would go and, and we would ride El Toro a lot and I I didn't even really become a full-on enthusiast even then until a couple years after I graduated I really didn't have anything to do I didn't have a job and I was really bored and the all-season dining pass was launched so I would go there and basically go for food but at the same time, I'd go and ride El Toro because there was a, a burrito shop there right next to El Toro. So I'd go and eat burritos and then I would <laughs> finish those up and go <laughs> marathon El Toro. And then I did that for like two or three years. I would just go and after work or after I was done doing whatever and on my off days, I would just go to Great Adventure and I would eat off the dining pass and I would go and ride El Toro. And that's what really, really made me become an enthusiast. Like bar none, El Toro is the ride that kind of force that into me because I got to ride it on slow days. I got to ride it on fast days as a wooden coaster. It, it runs in all types of different conditions and very, very temperamental. So I have a very strong uh, admiration for that ride. It was my number one for a long time until I rode Steel Vengeance that uh, when that opened in 2018. And then, uh, you know, again, of course, with Velocicoaster and Iron Glossy and Fury 325 and all these other uh, fantastic rides that we have here. Um, but yeah, El Toro is still up there. It's like my number three. <laughs> yeah, I think right now El Toro for me is sitting at number seven. It's my second favorite Woody though. It's incredible. I'm glad I got to ride it last year before it Can shut I ask down you? for an extended period of time. Have you ridden it uh, toward the front of the train at all? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we had 11 and rides on it that trip, so I tried to experience it. How did you uh, like? How did you think it felt up there? I really like the front row. Okay. 
I what liked about, the front uh, row like, and my, my favorite rows were the front row and I liked the next to back row on the left side. Okay, next time when El Toro reopens, I want you to try row three in car one. And that's okay. for everybody, if you guys are watching this. This is sort of um, a magic seed, but the ride has to be running smooth because, you know, uh, it develops potholes and stuff. And that yeah, it was, it. You get there were potholes. So kind of rough, right. So Some seats, can, I was like, no. If you can, and the car is full, and the track is smooth, ride in row three, car one, and okay. um, the ejector air tunnel up there is incredible because of the way you get pushed up into the, the bigger air time hills and the rolling thunder hill at the end. The, the drop itself isn't anything crazy up there, but uh, the two main airtime hills and the rolling thunder hill hit twice as hard if you're sitting in the back row of the first car because of the way it gets pushed up into it. And also the the, the, the gap in the wheel assembly is, is so much so that you get thrown up off of the track and then it's like it make it's even more intense because of the way the, the it's, yeah, you, you got to try that. <laughs> I definitely will. And I, I'm excited to ride it once they finish. The extensive work they're doing on it now, I really think I this is going to be done and be done very well. I really can't wait. It's been too long. Absolutely. So you told me your coaster count earlier. What is your coaster count? Yeah, it's sitting somewhere at around 325 or so. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. Okay. Right around there, 325 or so. So out of those 325-ish coasters, what have your mile, milestone coasters been? And what <laughs> do you hope to make your next milestone coaster? Okay. Um, shit. What, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't even remember what my 300 was. Hold on a second now. Okay. Now I got it. I got it all now. So uh, for my first 100th, my, my 100th coaster, uh, it was over at King's Island, actually. And I, I wanted it to be over at Cedar Point. I was trying to make Top Thrill Dragster my... King's Island's my home park, so I'm, I'm curious. What was it? Oh, it wasn't anything good, actually. Uh, but we did ride Firehawk, and we rode Vortex that day when okay. we visited King's Island the first time. But uh, it wasn't any of those rides. It wasn't Diamondback or The Beast or anything anything good. Uh, my my 100th coaster credit was Adventure Express. I thought you were going to say Great Pumpkin Coaster. <laughs> no. I, I don't have that credit. Actually, missing the Woodstock Express credit over there at Kings Island as well. And the you Hanging know, Bang. That was, actually my, that was actually my first coaster when it was called the Beast. I don't have the Hanging Bang there either. Okay. You got to come back. Let me know when you're coming. Yeah, I got to go back. I, I need to ride Beast again. I've only been on Beast a couple times. Oh, and they did a ton of track work on it last year. It's running real well. Yeah, last year when we went, it was closed. <laughs> it was okay. like right at the beginning of the season, I think. It was before uh, reopened or whatever. Or maybe it was the year before. I can't even remember. I'm losing track now. <laughs> All right. So 100 was Adventure yep. Express. What was number 200? Yep. Uh, number 200 was Lightning Rod over at Dollywood. Um, but it was only two years ago, so it was uh, right after it got the almost full steel track makeover. So, like most of the, pretty much the entire layout was steel, except for like the breakdown and the like lift or whatever. But yeah, okay. it didn't seem to be as good as everybody always said it was. I was kind of bummed, like, oh, this ride kind of sucks now. Like, I'm very underwhelmed. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> underwhelmed by Lightning Rod. I mean, it's cool. 
It's, it's cool. fun. It's fun. There's, there's quad down. Okay. There's no inversions. And towards the back, when I rode last year, there's potholes. I mean, it was like cracking my neck and stuff. So <laughs> I'm hoping that's been addressed because that's the only RMC I've really, I, like the last time I rode it, I wanted to go more towards the front. And that generally never happens. I'm usually in back row every time. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Except on Outlaw Run, you can't ride Outlaw Run in the back. Uh, no, because of the pothole, you get really uh -huh. like. <laughs> oh yeah. Really bad. Yeah. You can sit in the second, the second of back row on Outlaw Run is good. Second of back row is fine. I totally agree. <laughs> I got that. I figured that one out real quick. You have to so, be careful those topper tracks. Um, but that's two hundred. You want my three hundred? Yes. Okay. You want to intro it? What? I kind of cut you off. I accidentally cut you off. You were getting ready to like. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. So uh, my 300 was, wait, what was my 300? Now I can't remember it. Damn it. Oh, okay. Uh, my 300th coaster was actually down in Texas over at Fiesta, Texas. And this one's kind of a funny one, actually. Uh, you, you might know Casey uh, Block Breaks, the artist that we're both friends yes, with. Yes, right? she actually just finished our logo for our upcoming Trimming for Coaster series that my son and I are going to be doing for Coaster oh, Challenge. Yeah. Yeah, she's so talented. She does work for everyone. And it's just all over the community. You might not even realize that she did that work and then it was her. But yeah, um, mm -hmm. we actually ended up bumping into each other uh, I was getting my 300th credit at the same time as she was getting her 400th credit on the same ride. And we didn't know each other was going to be there. Oh, wow. Really yeah, we were both at Fiesta, Texas. And uh, she had gotten on Iron Rattler about five minutes before me. Uh -huh. And I was, in the single, I was in the single rider line. And my friends who I, I was with were like, hey, did you see who was just on there? And I'm like, no, who was it? And they're like, oh, it's Casey. And I'm like, what? No, that's weird. And then we both got off and talked to each other. And it was my 300th credit, Iron Rattler. And then it ended up being her 400th. And like, what are the odds? That is a very cool story. I loved Iron Rattler. It's yeah, yeah, by me far too. the most unique huh? coaster I, I think of. That's how much I loved it. It's it's very unique. Yeah, the way that the way that it interacts with that quarry wall, it's so cool. And when it, and when it drops, past, yeah, oh, yeah, the drop is not insane. a drop you see on coasters. That's incredible. It's like 170 feet or something like that. It's almost a hyper coaster. Yeah, that was an awesome story you just shared about you and Casey. <laughs> That's one of yeah, the things yeah. I love too about being an enthusiast is running into people at random times you don't even know they're going to be there neither one of you are even you know from that area of the country and yet you find each other it i have another really funny i have another quick funny story about uh, her uh, real quick it, it'll be quick we were driving back from st louis one time uh, me and her were hanging out at six flags you know six flags st louis and then we left at different times from different areas the next day and ended up bumping into each other on the Pennsylvania Turnpike at two o'clock in the morning the next day on wow. the way home. Yeah, like it was like two or three o'clock in the morning and no one else was on the road. And I ended up driving past her and I'm like, wait a second, you know, that's her car. And then I called her up and then sure enough, like she was there driving and we both left from different cities the next morning. And it was just very strange <laughs> the way that ended up happening. And then there was another instance in Florida, but we don't need to get into all of that. There's been several <laughs> instances of, 
me and her crossing paths, whether it be intentional or somehow um, just, you know, it's a small world, like Disney said. Definitely. It's just meant to happen. Do you have any ideas what you want to make? Number 400? Oh, um, I'm not really too close to it yet to know. I would like it to be in America, um, but I don't know if I'll get there. Uh, I might have to go into Europe or something soon. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, time will certainly tell the story on that one. I've got number 400 coming up in June. And if things work out correctly, which I've got a lot of room for error. So I'm thinking the likelihood is very high that this will happen. We're going to try to do, we're going to up in Canada's Wonderland. I'm going to do Behemoth for number 400 and my son's going to do Leviathan. Okay. He's a few credits behind me and he really wanted El Toro for number 300. And that was not one I was willing to give up. So <laughs> <laughs> we compromised. He took Jersey devil for number 300. And I said, uh, okay, you know, I, I got El Toro for 300. I'll let you have the Giga for 400. Yeah, so. that's funny. Yeah, there's no way for him to really, like, catch up unless he goes to a park on his own, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I've got some credits. I have son that's of beans. Funny. I have He's son of beans, though. you know, that he He's couldn't ride. It's the only ones I have are the ones he couldn't ride, son of beast and king cobra. Uh, and he might be able to catch up to me by one. Funny story here. Last time we went to Worlds of Fun, we're making a return visit this year, you know, to ride the new coaster when we go back to Silver Dollar City as well. The last time we went to Worlds of Fun, there's a kiddie coaster. And you've got to have a kid to ride the kiddie coaster. So mm -hmm. I was literally standing by the ride asking people if they would allow <laughs> their child to ride with us. Uh -huh. Well... I got some takers. Okay. I got I got to ride the kitty coaster. My daughter got to ride the kitty coaster. Jay had a kid. When Jay's turn came to ride the kitty coaster, the ride broke down and shut down for the rest of the day. <laughs> Get to ride. So I'm gonna have to see if I can fish him up a kid if he still wants that. Yeah, like. I, it's hard to do that as a I don't travel to parks with other people very often and so I can't just stand there by myself as like a 20 something year old guy yeah. being like, like hey let me borrow your kid I need I need to ride this coaster like that I sounds just weird walked up to people if, and just if you're wearing myself. a coaster shirt if you're wearing a shirt with a coaster on it it makes it a little mm -hmm. bit less awkward but yeah it's still like kind of awkward just like for me, being I can who I am, see that yeah, uh, like I'm not a, I'm not a dad. I don't have kids myself, so mm -hmm. I just like, yeah, like it'd be kind of weird. I thought I would I, look. That's why I don't have the. That's why I don't have the. Yeah, that, uh, you you have plenty of experience with that. <laughs> yeah, I just in the work. My attitude is, you know, the worst thing they can say is no. If they say no, it's all right. I'll just approach the next person, but yeah, I just introduce myself. Tell them, you know, we're, we're enthusiasts and, you know, something enthusiasts do is we love to ride, you know, coasters to add to our coaster count. But to ride this coaster, 
we have to have a child, you know, that's a, this height requirement. Would you possibly allow your child to ride with us just one time? That's just how I approached him. And I no, don't touch I, my don't touch my kid, you creep. <laughs> and I couldn't believe they actually did it. I'm like, all right, this worked out great. So yeah, I, I just not that I don't care that much. I guess that <laughs> I don't not, leave credits uh, on the table. If I can I'm get, not a if whore. I can get it, I'll get it. I'm not a whore. That's what it is. I am a I'm a credit junkie. <laughs> That's, 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 that's is that what they call them over in your no, I'm just kidding. yeah credit whores I've heard it all all right so let's talk about now not just you as an enthusiast but more about the community in general what has been your experience as an enthusiast in the coaster community and what impacts has being involved in the coaster community had on your life oh tons of things i mean my whole life has been revolved mainly around roller coasters and theme parks for the last several years now so being involved in such a such an interesting community with so many different types of people in it it's it's really interesting and from my perspective i kind of see things um differently because i create youtube videos and stuff and we'll get into that later but the people that uh contact me through my youtube videos are always really interesting too um because a lot of times those people um, might not even be part of the coaster community or they're just trying to get into it and stuff and they'll ask me how to get over their fear of coasters they say oh i'm going i actually got a very recent comment like within the last week or so from someone they said they're coming to great adventure soon and they want to know uh, how they get over their fear of going on King Dakar, like literally what we were just talking about before. Mm -hmm. it, it was that exact scenario. And I just explained to them, I'm like, hey, if you're going with someone, you know, uh, have them just talk with them in line. If they've been on it before, maybe they know uh, like how they've been on it and, and how they felt and stuff. And you could talk to them about that or they could put on the Coaster Challenge podcast and listen to other people's experiences while they're not waiting in line for King Dakar specifically, because you're not allowed to have your phone in line for that. But for any of the other coasters, you might potentially be scared of. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the whole community has kind of molded me as a person um, too recently. Uh, I feel a lot more open talking to people and I could kind of just spring up a conversation in line with anyone now. And I do that often, you know, when I'm at parks by myself. Uh, I'll find something to talk to the, you know, the next person in line near me about, you know, and I'll just say, Hey, you know, where are you guys from? And we'll talk. And oftentimes we're not enthusiasts, but it's, it's still uh, part of the community because we're, we're waiting in line for a roller coaster together. <laughs> so, awesome. And oftentimes I'll get their Instagrams and stuff. And, and then, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you just, you just meet so many different people going to different parks and, going into lines and most of them aren't enthusiasts at the parks, but some of them are. And those people that are enthusiasts are the ones that you stick close, closest to when you meet them because you have things in common. <laughs> and that's how we met. I remember you just walked up to me and you liked my Iron Gwazi shirt. And we oh, just yeah, started no, it wasn't even your shirt. I think it was your tattoo. My, you a, my tattoo. Yeah, I think you had your, your tattoo uh, on your arm by by then. Yeah. You know, I just started talking, and now here we are. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the world's gotten smaller yet again. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I always tell people like, it's a small world. It, it really is. It's you run into people like you wouldn't believe out there. <laughs> Mostly at parks because you're going to parks at the same times as other people. And uh, you end up at events together and you don't realize you're both going and it's like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I didn't know you were coming to this event. And then it ends up being that much more fun that you haven't seen them in a while and you get to hang out with each other and ride, you know, rides and stuff. <laughs> So now I want to talk about the topic of travel. Thinking recently, what are some of the most recent coaster trips you've taken or some of the more memorable ones? And what trips do you plan on taking next? Okay. Well, I think I was telling you that I was going to go to Disney last time before our so I went to Disney <laughs> and I uh, really had a good time. That was my most recent trip, actually. And I got to ride Guardians of the Galaxy Mission, uh, not Mission Breakout, uh, Cosmic Rewind. I, I get the two names mixed up in my head because there's uh, a Guardians ride over Disney California Adventure. That's the old Tower of Terror ride, but it's called uh, Mission Breakout. But then, yeah, I rode Cosmic Rewind and that ride, it's something else. That's a really, really good roller coaster. And it's also an experience as a whole. So you have that uh, that really fine tuning that Disney does where like you don't even feel like you're on a ride. It's just an experience. Like you're in there, you're flying through freaking space with all of the characters from the Guardians movies and stuff. And you're in a spaceship flying around. And like you don't even really feel like you're riding a roller coaster. You feel like you're gliding through space. Like it's very, very smooth. It's the smoothest definitely the smoothest roller coaster i've ever been on and you're spinning and it's a controlled spin so you're facing different set pieces while you're going through the layout and it's just designed so so well it's the best indoor coaster i've ever been on i like to compare it to like space mountain but modern day with effects and stuff like because you ride space mountain and it's just kind of in the dark and you have the little star projector so you see little like white dots are supposed to be stars and out of control feeling but this is an in control feeling like you feel like you're you're being piloted through space it's such such a cool experience and there's like four or five different songs that you get accompanied to with the experience is it's really something else like that it's not like in my top five as a coaster it's 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 not like you know as an enthusiast you look at it as a as a coaster as but yeah, it's it's something else. It's really, really incredible. And you don't need to wear 3D glasses for it, which is cool. <laughs> okay. So what trips do you have planned next? Uh, more Disney. I got to go down for Animal Kingdom. But also, surf, Surfline the Pipe Coaster. Going down for that. Oh, Pipeline. <laughs> I know. I just messed it up on purpose. In my head, <laughs> like, in my head this morning, for some reason, I was like, Surfline, the pipe coaster, like you know, that'd be kind of <laughs> say that wrong, but yeah, it was stupid. Is that an answer? That, oh yeah, I'm really excited good. for that. I am, I am over, over the moon excited to ride that, and I don't think I was before anyone else wrote it. <laughs> no, like nobody expected uh, to have such uh, rave reviews. Like I think, the yes, reviews. The reviews so far for Pipeline have been overwhelmingly positive from everywhere. And I haven't heard a bad thing about it. From no. Anyone. And what's really good is I don't, I don't usually really put too much 
wait on reviews I get from media days and things like that. Because I think sometimes people will be overly positive, you know, because they're trying to maintain a good relationship with the park. But I've heard really good stuff from people that don't have any media connections, you know, about Pipeline. It's the same thing. It's been very consistent. I've not heard one bad thing about it. So, yeah, definitely when we go back to Florida next year, I'm going to go over there and check that out for sure. I'm, I'm over the moon. I am over the moon excited for that thing. I can't wait to fly up out of my seat standing mm-hmm. every time. That, like, that, that seems like one of the best sensations like ever on a roller coaster. Like, just like you're already standing and then just to fly your up. Feet even come, I've heard your feet come up off the floor. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, your your feet fly up off of the surfboard train, and you mm. literally go flying through the air oh. in your restraint. <laughs> it looks so good. Now, and, do you know when you're going? Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna be going down in a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, fun! So that's coming up. Maybe about soon. three weeks, three three or four weeks. I have yeah. to put my time off request in, but very soon, very soon. All right. So, what do you have any? bucket list trips that you don't have planned, but yet these are trips you know you want to take sometime in the future. Oh, yeah. Um, Me and my friend Izzy, we've been planning a trip out to Europe um, for sometime later this year, but we're not sure if that, you know, that's possible right now. Um, We both have our own situations going on that may Mm -hmm. or may not make that possible, but we're planning to hit a ton of different parks out there in Europe there's just so much to see and do and and the fun part about Europe which a lot of people don't really realize is once you're uh you know in the countries and stuff they're not like they are here you don't need to like show your passports and stuff when you're going between the countries as much and the borders are sort of seamless out there you know the, the countries are more or less like states in a lot of places you just sort of drive through them relatively easily and um yeah, I would love to drive out and maybe take a few flights to different parts of Europe and experience places like Europa Park. And yes. uh, I would have liked to experience Wonderland Eurasia and the abusive bad coasters that they populated that park with. But that obviously isn't in the cards anymore. <laughs> that would have been an interesting trip. But uh, yeah, I would like to travel to um, uh, what's the one in Poland? Energy Landia would be Energy really Landia. cool. Yep. I would love to travel there. And then, uh, you know, just, just so much to see and do in Europe that looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait. And I don't know when I'm going, but I can't wait. That's actually my number one bucket list trip, too, is Europe. My bucket list coasters are over there. Zadra oh, yeah. and Ride Happiness, for me, are at the very tip top of the bucket list. And I also would like to experience Taryn, you know, oh, yeah. cause I love Velocicoaster and, uh, and there's, there's like two or three new ones um, that like just opened up one in Paris, right. Um, uh, Parque Warner. No, that's in Spain. They got one, but there's a park in uh, France that Totalis. Is that what that one's called? Um, at Park sure. Asterix. 
park asterisks got a mm-hmm. there, there's these uh you know like intamin velocicoaster a uh, newer generation intamin launch coasters going into yeah. parks out there now and they look really good <laughs> i would love to go and ride some of the stuff they have really good coasters in europe it's, that is going to be a trip that i think i finally get to take once my kids can pay their own way and i don't have to pay <laughs> for three people but one thing i have been told like you said, you know, once you're over there, everything really is relatively close together. Mm-hmm. And park admission over there is actually pretty cheap. It's not mm-hmm. like paying to go into Disney or Universal here right. in the United States. It's not like that. Right. It's just getting over there is yep. the main thing. And um, the rest sounds yeah. relatively simple. Yeah, if you can book your thousand to $2,000 flights you know, well in advance uh-huh. and you can save, you can save up some more after before you go and you could buy your park tickets in advance and everything else in advance, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much down to a T to what days you want to visit. Just plan as much as you possibly can. And, uh, you know, it'll take you a long way, especially in places like Europe. Europe's so cool. I just can't wait. <laughs> so, now I want to talk about something we haven't discussed at all yet during this interview, but it's a topic that I've had many really great conversations with people about in the enthusiast community. Merchandise. I know a lot of us as enthusiasts have vast collections of merchandise. I myself have a large wardrobe of coaster shirts i've got a board full of pens i'm probably gonna need to get another board pretty soon i've got magnets goodness i've got stuff on my car i've got coaster models pictures you name it tattoos i've probably got it (laughs) as a fousey what types of merchandise do you collect for coasters (laughs) Uh, I've got all types of stuff. I, I love collecting coaster dynamics models. Um, I have a lot of those that I just haven't gotten around to assembling. I have like a whole bin just full of boxed up coaster dynamics models <laughs> that I just don't have time to put together. Cause I also have a second YouTube channel that hasn't ever really been talked about uh, where I assembled those models and then I kind of gave up on that and along with that kind of went my coaster dynamics all together so I don't set them up at all anymore but the ones that I do have set up I keep inside a cabinet and they're all pretty well kept with the exception of a few that my mom decided to uh crush and and not not on purpose but uh she just didn't realize how fragile the models were but Mm -hmm. other than that I have a roller coaster seat in my room it's a used seat from um yeah, it's from King Ka. <laughs> I could show it to you guys if you want. Whoa! Yeah, it's pretty cool. Here, let me flip flip around the camera. Sorry, the room is kind of messy, but here You've we have. You've got Bucky in that seat. <laughs> I've got a Bucky oh, yeah. in my room. Yeah, and the way the way that you can really prove that it's from King Ka is on uh-huh. the side of the seat. There's a there's a number. And it's from the green train there. You can see number six. So you came from the sixth that row of the green, so awesome. green train. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't have any restraint or any seatbelt or anything. And it weighs probably like 20 or 30 pounds. And 
Yeah, it, it's here. <laughs> that is probably the single most <laughs> epic coaster collectible I've ever seen. And I <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really cool. I don't even ever sit in it or anything, but it's here. And then let me show you a couple other cool things that I have in the cabinet over here that I think are worth showing off. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'll be quick here. Okay. Okay, so I have my most rare Coaster Dynamics model here. Um, this is a nano coaster for the Steel Curtain um, over at Kennywood. Nice. It's a really, it's a really strange layout, um, and it's a unique-looking design. But the reason that I want to show it to you guys here is because you can't actually um, buy this one anymore. I don't believe they have it on the Coaster Dynamics website for sale. And the only time that they had it available actually um, was online on the steel, on the um, Coaster Dynamics website, they had it available because uh, at the shop next to Steel Curtain where they initially had it for sale, one of the workers was assembling um, a display model and actually cut themselves on the display model while they were assembling it. So. The, the executives there over at Kennywood decided not to sell the coaster dynamics models there anymore. And they pulled them off of the shelf at the park. So I was there a few days after the ride opened asking about the models. And then that's the story I was told. And uh, so I contacted the, uh, the guy from coaster dynamics. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh, I contacted him via Instagram and he was able to send me over one of the steel curtain models for me uh, to assemble. So I was very thankful of that. And then one other thing here to show you guys is this little guy. This Who's is that? This is Mr. Tato. And Mr. Tato uh, was formerly the uh, mascot of the only permanent amusement park in the whole country of Ireland. Um, they recently just rebranded and called it uh, Emerald Park now. But uh, this is the old mascot of Tato Park, Mr. Tato. And he's also the mascot of Potato Crisp Company, which is the most popular potato chip in Ireland and the UK. So um, that's kind of unique. And they also have the only permanent wooden coaster to ever exist in the country of Ireland. I have the credit and uh, I went to that park. It's one of my most prized possessions. It's not an overly special park, but um, the fact that they just recently rebranded the park and it's no longer called Tato Park and they no longer use this mascot. And uh, I have a couple other things from there but uh yeah there's a really unique um item because you can't buy this anymore and the park itself is really unique because it's the only park in ireland well thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> no out problem. of all the interviews i've done i have never seen or heard of mr tato oh my god <laughs> yeah look up tato uh tato park yeah and I, I'm going to, once we're finished, I absolutely love that. Oh, okay. T-A-Y-T-O, Tato right. Park. For our listeners, if you would like to do some research as well, look that up. Yeah, they have a gravity, they have a gravity group wooden coaster there. Wow. Learn something new every day. Learn something new every day. That was my education <laughs> for today. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Really a good ride. It's got a 110 degree overbank turn. On a wooden coaster, it's kind of unique cool. and really a showstopper when you're there. Okay, so you mentioned earlier 
that you have a YouTube channel. I would really like to know more about that. Cause I know you said that's we, we previously talked and you said it's pretty successful. Tell us about your YouTube channel. The name of it, I think is officer O'Leary. Yep. What <clears throat> inspired you to start the channel? How many subs do you have right now? Let's start okay. with that. Um, well, right now I got 10,300 something subscribers going okay. up. Good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I started I started the channel actually way back in 2012-ish, uh, like right after I graduated high school. Because in high school, I had taken a video production class. And I've been I've been trolling around over on YouTube a lot, you know, watching some of the content creators uh, and a few that come to mind of, that inspired me to start my channel um, uh, was Adam the Woo, the vlogger goes around to like uh, not just Disney, but he does other stuff in the Orlando area and out in California. And he's a very, very prominent uh, vlogger from the early uh, period of, of that type of YouTube genre, which only really started to become popular around 2012, 2013 or so. Um, so the name Officer O'Leary actually comes from, I started the channel, uh, I was actually very influenced by gaming channels. I really liked watching people role play um, as police officers in Grand Theft Auto. Uh, there was like a mod where you could pull people over in the game and act like you were a police officer and I thought it was really cool. And I followed this one YouTuber, Spears the Amazing HD. He's really popular now. He's got like 10 million subscribers or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, moving on, I started with those type of videos doing the police role playing in Grand Theft Auto. And those were mildly successful. I got a few views because of my sense of humor and uh, didn't really do too much. But then um, since I just graduated high school within the last year or so, and I was at Great Adventure a lot just hanging out, uh, using my dining pass and everything, I decided to start vlogging my experiences at Great Adventure and at other places as well. I would I would vlog pretty much anywhere. I was one of those people, like, before vlogging was popular, I was out there with my iPhone in public just vlogging and mostly doing things that were uh, interesting, you know, exploring different attractions locally and stuff. But the Great Adventure videos is really where I started to get my uh, foothold into the YouTube community and people really started to enjoy watching my videos that I posted from there and I used to I used to sneak these uh, video camera recording glasses on the roller coasters a great adventure and then uh, people used to see my videos and take their phone out on the rides and that that became a huge issue there actually because people would watch my videos and see me filming on the rides and not realizing how I was doing it so they pull their phone out and uh, so phones were a big thing there for a few years because of my videos, not directly because of it, but also because of the rise in prominence of smartphones and people just having the uh, feeling that they could just pull it, pull it out and film whatever they feel like, whenever they feel like, regardless of whether it's dangerous or not. Um, but that's another story. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I, my channel started to grow slowly over time, doing videos, mainly just a great adventure. And a couple of them became viral-ish. I have a couple of videos that uh, have hundreds of thousands of views, um, just a lot of comments and stuff. And yeah, over time, I started vlogging at other parks. And I would go uh, travel out to Six Flags New England and uh, Six Flags America and Hershey Park and stuff and start doing vlogs there. 
using the same recording glasses that I got in trouble with at Great Adventure. Um, but, you know, I would do those videos still at the regional parks, mainly because I I didn't have any fear of getting in trouble with the type of glasses, you know, they're just sunglasses with a little built-in camera. Pretty much harmless and sort of a gray area as far as like what you can can and can't get away with. Because, yeah, they're just a pair of glasses, but you're also not supposed to be filming in some parks. It's like, you know, it's a very tricky kind of situation. And a lot of parks just allowed me to use those glasses in a lot of cases. And so I have some really shaky uh, camera glasses, POVs uh, from other parks. But I, uh, I continue to film POVs at parks that uh, don't allow them using a different camera system that of course is safe similar to what east coasters does but anyway uh we don't want to break rules here um but yeah my uh, channel's just been slowly growing over time traveling around to different parks and filming povs and vlogs and stuff and people really seem to enjoy what i what i post so that's good i'm going to continue doing it and on a more consistent basis too during the summer months at Put out videos more often than i would during the winter because people don't seem to search for theme parks as often in the winter months well thank you so much for <laughs> sharing very thorough with the evolution of your channel and congratulations on your success and i'm confident it's going to continue to grow and become even more successful in the future for our listeners that may be, you know, trying to build their own YouTube channel, would you please share any challenges you faced and any tips you might have for those that are getting started? Um, yeah, of course. Starting a YouTube channel is never really an easy thing to do. And you kind of want to start it without um, having the thought that like your videos are going to become viral or that you're you're going to make it because like quite frankly with just that attitude you can't you have to put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into your youtube videos but not in the type of way that you might might think like you can't be thinking about oh you know i have to make this video viral or, or you know this video has got to be the best thing ever because you're just not going to hit that mark you just can't do that in most cases unless like you're some like miracle worker who just is naturally good at it, which it doesn't happen very often. So with it, with YouTube, you just sort of have to start somewhere that you like watching, like see you like certain YouTubers and they influence you to make videos like them and just start doing that. And by just doing similar things to what you like watching, you can also um, hopefully make things that other people like watching, but it's not that simple. And, to, to actually be able to get successful on YouTube is very difficult. You just have to figure out something that people like to watch. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of times what you like to watch. So try, try and take that as best you can. And then um, I use very simple editing software. I use iMovie. It's a downloadable app on your iPhone or Apple devices. Uh, of course, if you have an Android device, you have to figure out something else. But the iMovie app is very simple and easy to work with. So I can put videos out on a pretty consistent basis if I need to. And I can work on my videos wherever I need to. And the iPhone is also a really good filming device. The camera on there is great. And I also have my external camera, like my, my POV camera here. And I can export the POVs right onto my phone and edit them all right there in one place. And it's very simple and very easy to, to deal with. 
So I can recommend that and just um, try and be consistent and try to make things that people like to watch. All right. Thank you so much for that helpful advice. Cause I know there are a lot of people that are trying to build those channels and YouTube seems to be, it's, it's like very hit or in complete mess. And, you know, finding that magic formula that works for each individual person is critical to success. So thank you so much for sharing that for all of our aspiring YouTubers. Our next question, I want to talk a bit about the background of the question so it doesn't catch you off guard and you understand <laughs> why I'm asking the question. We had a former guest of the podcast. His name was Dusty. He was a huge fan of the podcast. He was a friend of David's. He was also involved somewhat in the Coaster Kids organization a few years ago. This kid had a lot of impacts on a lot of people's lives. He passed away last year at the age of 16. Hmm. You know, when things like that happen that we don't expect, it really causes us, you know, to take a step back, take a look in the mirror and realize that time is very precious, you know, and looking at the legacy, the impact that this kid left on so many lives, it made me really sit down, you know, and have a talk in my mind with myself about how are you spending the time that you have here each day and how can you spend the time better? You know, and the big question is, you know, when I leave this world, what's going to be my mark? Because this kid left a huge one. So with that being said, how would you, Sean O'Leary, like your family, friends, colleagues, to remember your legacy? What's the mark you want to leave on the world? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> I just hope that most of, or if not all of the people that I have somehow interacted with and a way touch them to the point not, not in a creepy way, but to try to uh, just not leave a mark on everyone because that's not possible. And I, I don't really care that much about doing anything like that. I, I don't know how to answer this one. This is a strange question. It's it's a good question, but uh, some kind thought of into it. Take time. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I just want people to take what they can from. Uh, my experiences with them both in person and in uh, video form and to uh, just stay positive in life the best that you can okay. and uh, everything everything will be okay if you're happy <laughs> like you Absolutely. just have to you can't, you can't really dwell on um, the negative things and you just have to stay mm -hmm. positive and then in that way you can also help 
uh, grow an audience on YouTube if you're in a good mood and if you're positive and that that'll help all of those people that watch those videos over the years also have that positive impact if if you can translate that through the videos and and you can make people happy in in real life then I think that'll last uh, longer than any other type of interaction I think I think happiness is really the key to success in life. Now, you know, you can uh, go through life without graduating college, but, you know, as long as you're happy doing whatever job you're doing and making whatever money you're making, you know, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I've said it so many times myself, positivity is contagious. <laughs> when you're positive, it passes to people around you. Likewise, when you're negative, that's a very toxic thing. You know, that mm -hmm. spreads to people around you as well. And mm -hmm. life in general, I've discovered, is very heavily what you choose to make of it, your attitude, your positivity and or negativity. It can make a bad situation a whole lot better or it can make a bad situation a whole lot worse you know likewise a positive attitude can take a great situation and just make it go viral whereas a negative attitude can take any situation no matter how good and cast a dark shadow out of it yep. you know now, everybody has Sorry, everybody has bad days and stuff too, you know, mm -hmm. but, but there's other ways you can get over that. And then, you know, you can go and you can go to like, I, I'm lucky where I grew up near Six Flags and I can just go. If I'm having a rough day and they're open, I can just go there and ride a coaster and all of that can go away because riding coasters like just completely drains everything else out of your mind. You're, you're not going to focus on anything else when you're riding a good roller coaster. You're just focusing on the ride. And then when you, you know, I've had bad days before, mm -hmm. before going to parks. And then I go to the parks and I get on the roller coasters and all of a sudden my day's turned around. I'm having a good time. And, and yes. all of that crap that happened, all that, all that BS that happened before is gone. And you can yeah. immerse yourself in the moment. That's part of the reason I love going to parks so much, but that's my escape in parks, but find, mm -hmm. find your own escape. If it's not, uh coasters or going to theme parks it could be anything just whatever makes you happy yes and do, do it and do it often because right. um, unless, unless it's drugs no and i'll tell you sean what sean said is so true everybody has a bad day it's not okay i'm gonna say that again everybody has a bad day but every day shouldn't be a bad day. And That's right. every day is a bad day. Find what makes you happy. For me, yes, coasters, yes. I do that as much as I can. But, you know, during the work week, during the school year, I can't ride near as much as I do during the summer. So right. my exercise, my, my music, I listen to daily my exercise and my fitness too have really started giving me some of that adrenaline push that I get when I'm on the coasters. I find great stress relief. 
through that. So that when I'm not on coasters has become a big part of my wellness. And now with our new series trimming for coasters, it's getting ready to launch in the fall here with coaster challenge. I'm going to be able to take that and help other people with it. I mean, who would have ever thought that would be such a thing, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. and that, that's another thing that makes me happy helping other people. I don't get paid to do this. I do it because I want to. And when I see, you know, that it's helping others, it motivates me to want to do more. So thank you so much for that wonderful advice because happiness is the key to an awesome life and you've got the power to make yourself happy. Just and also with, with happiness, you can also find love no matter how ugly you are. Ugly is not not me. saying you're ugly, Cam. I'm just saying that <laughs> statement. <laughs> ugly. If you think you're ugly, if you think you're ugly, if you think you're ugly, go and find something yeah. that makes you happy, and then once you're happy, you can find someone else who's happy. Yeah, bingo, bingo. <laughs> ugly to me, beauty. Ugly. I'm it's, on the, it's on the inside. It's all good. You're funny. <laughs> okay, so you've pretty much talked about with that last question, you know advice as well is there any other type of advice you would like to share with our audience other than staying positive and being happy or is that pretty much all you wanted to share on that topic um, try and try and eat healthy the best you can because that's mm -hmm. hard to do sometimes in this day and age where there's fast food restaurants all over the place and none of it's good for you but all of it tastes good it's yes. kind of hard to, it's hard to resist those urges sometimes. And especially in the South, you know, like there's a lot of restaurants in other areas, especially in the South that I don't have here where I live up in the Northeast. And I like, I get it. I'm like, Oh my God. Or like, you know, I need this. And mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a fast food. I'm a fast food addict, which is a problem. Well, and you know, that really hits home with me on a number of levels. Cause you know, I've shared many times online, my fitness journey and stuff that I'm still doing. And um, mm. I'll tell you one thing I've discovered on a personal level that really gave me the kick in the butt I needed when there was still time to get the problem fixed was the older you get, if you're not taking care of yourself, your body will literally start to fall apart. And that was happening to me for nearly two years. I was hardly able to walk pain, wow. excruciating pain. I had ruptured tendons in three different parts of my feet. I had arthritis on my knees that had taken over my life due to the length of time that I was overweight as I was. It was crippling. And there were several amusement park rides I couldn't fit on. And I was even about, I was, I was guessing about 10 pounds away from any, from even being able to fit the B&M clamshells <laughs> at my biggest. And wow. I have had two, a couple of people lately reach out to me and I've had a, countless people reach out to me with, you know, advice and help on getting fit, but, and healthy, but two people have really had a wake up call lately one of my previous guests here on the podcast, the night after I interviewed him, he wound up in the hospital and he actually oh. had stayed for several days. He had oh. real, and he's only in his twenties. He wow. had real sharp pains in his left side 
and they discovered it was inflammation and it was from eating too much greasy fast food. Oh. And they basically told him, if you don't clean your nutrition up, this can literally shorten your life. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and make, you know, make, make your quality of life while you're here not real good. So yeah. he, he's really, yeah. and, I, and I tell people, and I, I've been there, I've done that. Took me over about three years to lose my weight. Nothing, nothing tastes as good as being fit and healthy feels. And I know sometimes oh, yeah. when you're younger, you don't feel it. But when you get older and you start to feel it, which is what's happened to my other friend, it's like, what have I done to myself, you know, and how can I get out of this? You know, I've, I've got another friend now that is just literally, he's an old college friend, not even in the coaster community at all. He is at an all, his all time highest weight. He's had to have toes amputated. His quality oh, of life, and he's my age. And I mean, his quality of life right now is very poor. And he's he's had it he's he's tired of the quality of life that he's living and knows there has to be a better life out there but you know it's taken getting to the point where he's his body is literally physically shutting down you know yeah. to motivate him to really want to make this change so i i can't encourage people enough do it while your body will let you do it <laughs> because the older you get if you if you're not in the habit of moving and being healthy it's harder to get started it's not impossible oh, yeah. it took four to seven it took me three years but the weight does come off slower and your body breaks down a lot faster so mm -hmm. take sean's advice seriously because mm -hmm. It's definitely been life changing for me. I'm just glad that I figured that out while I had the opportunity to figure it out. And yeah, I'm still working my, on it. It's, yeah, it's always been a, it's always an ongoing project for. I think most people struggle with that as as an oh, issue. Yes. And, you know, especially built up urban areas or areas that just have a lot of fast food in general. Mm -hmm. You don't have a lot of other options or uh, for some cases, there's just no other options available. Like you're in an area that doesn't have a lot and you're forced mm -hmm. to buy things that are cheap at, at the supermarket because you also don't earn a lot. And then it My becomes gosh, a chain reaction where yes. you know, your, income, your income can't support a healthy diet. And so you end up in this endless chain of eating tasty cake for dinner mm -hmm. and like you, your body can only handle that type of stuff for so long. And that's yeah, really yeah. tough for people. That's really tough for people, especially in impoverished areas. That does make perfect sense. And that's not something I really thought about, but it's entirely true. Somebody I mean, asked I just made me that word up in there. Somebody, no, you didn't impoverished. That's a word. Impoverished well, is the word. Yeah, I just said impoverished. Oh, okay. It was very <laughs> well, but it was very well said. Your point's great because somebody asked actually asked me online a couple few weeks ago. They're like, "Why is healthy food so expensive?" 
you know, and that's that's a problem. It's a big problem. And I do think that's oh, a reason that a lot of people are in the situation they're in because they can't afford to eat right. Uh, you can you can uh, eat right though if you go to like Sheets or Wawa. There's healthy options for reasonable prices in places like that, but a lot of places don't have Sheets or Wawa yeah. <laughs> or or any of those uh, like regional chain gas station things. There's no healthy options available. You got to buy what's at the supermarket. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for bringing that topic to light. That wasn't a place that I saw our conversation going, but I'm glad that we <laughs> talked about it. And you really opened my eyes as well. You know, talking about the cost of healthy food, it's a very real concern that there's no easy answer to, especially, you know, with inflation and stuff, nothing's getting easier. Nope. So that's going to bring us to our last question. You have told us an immense amount about your awesome YouTube channel. Now I would like to talk about the topic of social media. How can our audience find you on social media if they would like to follow you, learn more about you, or make contact with you? Okay. Uh, my Instagram is my the same as my YouTube, just at Officer O'Leary with no spaces, just one word. And uh, you can find me. I post a lot of reels on there. There's several POVs and stuff, but mostly roller coaster based uh, content. I recently rode Tron Light Cycle Power Run over at Magic Kingdom. Um, it's a really unique coaster. So I, I had to film that at night and make a little reel about it because it's just so cool looking with the lights and everything. Uh, really, really cool ride. <laughs> but, um, yeah, other than Instagram, I don't really have any other social media presence. I don't have Twitter. You can actually follow me on Twitter with the same handle as my Instagram, but I don't post anything on there. And uh, that's about it. Um, it's YouTube and Instagram. I post stories all the time, though, about my personal life on my Instagram page. So uh, mostly just, yeah, stories. Nothing in the reels is just roller coasters there. But, yeah, if you want to, like, see what I do on a daily basis there uh, on my Instagram, I know you follow it, Kim. You can go, yeah. watch, <laughs> you can go watch my uh, my stories about what I do here in my hometown when I'm not visiting parks. And even when I am visiting parks, if I'm at your local park, you can see where I'm at and meet up and hang out with me because I'm always open to hanging out with my fans and people that I uh, like my, my videos. I really love meeting everybody involved. Even if you don't know who I am, if you see me wearing a Holiday World shirt, and you like Holiday World, come up to me and say hi. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for our conversation this evening. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I appreciate you being our guest on the podcast. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a blast, of course, as always talking to you. It's very fun. And I love our, our conversations always seem so natural. So it doesn't even feel like I'm being interviewed, which is great. Uh, <laughs> that that brings a lot of stress off of my shoulders because, you know, I can comfortably talk to you about things and not have to like worry. I, I'm sure I could do it with anyone else, but it's a lot uh, easier with someone I already know, like yourself. <laughs> well, the pleasure has been all mine. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.